trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership, and the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. Well, I had many hours of show prep all neatly done up and ready to to share with you, and it's all going right out the window. Maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but here, let me start uh, by offering the phone number since uh, since this is the live segment which airs over uh, Salt Lake City Radio. I'm going to go ahead and put the number out there, 801-331-8113. Well, I guess uh, we are seeing what it looks like when people start to reach the breaking point. Protesters have pushed their way into the U.S. Capitol building. They have uh, disrupted the congressional certification of the Electoral College votes. I know there's a lot of harumph harumphing that the media is is messing their pants over this right now. Um, various virtue signalers on, on social media are having a cow about this. Um, and look, I'm going to just come right out and tell you, I'm not a fan of mob violence, whether it's right wing flavored or left wing flavored. It, it has a tendency to unleash some really ugly collectivist characteristics because everybody feels like, well, I'm not responsible. I'm just going along with the mob. But good or bad, you are seeing history being made today in Washington, D.C. And as of the time of this broadcast, uh, I don't know how it's going to shake out. Let me see if I can pull this up. I I have to be careful because uh, there's a fair amount of strong language that has been going along with this. This is one of the live streams I've been following. And these are folks who have pushed their way into the Capitol building. looks like they're they're in one of the uh, congressman's offices. Let me just pot the the, uh, sound up here and see if there's anything airworthy. Yeah, I call this chair. This is pretty. Okay, they're <laughs> they're they're taking over a congressional office here, and I mean it's wow. So here we are. This this is America 2021, and for those who are, are tempted to say, "Well, this is all the fault of Trump. This is all the fault of his sore loser supporters." Back up there a little bit, Captain. We're gonna we're gonna walk this through. How do you get people to the point where they feel like? At this point, we have nothing to lose by storming four different layers of security fences and pushing the police aside, braving tear gas and, you know, pepper balls out of paintball guns to take over a portion of the U.S. Capitol. And by the way, this makes the, those so-called autonomous zones in uh, uh, Portland and Seattle seem pretty Tame by comparison, except these guys didn't go in with guns. The, the folks who pushed their way into the Capitol... They're unarmed. They're determined. They're angry as all get out. But they didn't go in there and push people out by force of arms. So take that for what it's worth. But here we are. And they are they are not happy with not just the election. I think this is this is the point you, that a lot of people are missing. They're thinking it's all Trump. You people think you're going to get your man back in there. And look, I get it. Trump has been a thorn in the side of a lot of people in the American establishment, and particularly the political left, for the last four years. So before you go getting on your high horse and start acting all like you hold the moral high ground, um, I'm going to remind you that we have watched very carefully those of us who've sat back and, and, and been unaffiliated with either Trump or with the left 
It's very clear who has been throwing the nonstop four-year temper tantrum, uh, resorting to lies, resorting to distortions. We tried to impeach him, and that didn't work. I get it. You want to see the guy go, and that's fine. And I get it that uh, for many of these same folks, their their agenda is they are absolutely, adamantly anti-American. Meaning it's not just Trump. They want they want to see everything that is part of American heritage, including the Constitution, including the system of government, including the legacies of those who who gave us this system done away with. Just like their totalitarian counterparts have done in other totalitarian regimes. Nazi Germany did it. uh, Maoist China did it. Stalin did it in Russia. They're not so different. Names and faces have changed. The tactics are exactly the same. But what you are seeing here is people who have been pushed and pushed and pushed into a corner, told the only way you could possibly support Trump or could not support our agenda of of, uh, you know, disdain and hatred for America is if you're some kind of a white supremacist, some kind of a deplorable, some irredeemable, you know, troglodyte who cannot be trusted to, to make any decisions for himself or herself. Well, you push people hard enough for four years. And it's actually been going on a little bit longer than that. But I mean, the real push has been for four years, nonstop. And you have the assistance of gaslighters and highly paid spinmeisters and propagandists within the media who will gratefully peddle half-truths, lies, and distortions to try to promote the agenda that, oh, no, no, this is the way the American people want it. And then you have an election that comes that has, uh, first of all, we're supposed to forget about this four-year temper tantrum and believe that somehow everybody got over it and everything is on the up and up and this was all just perfectly fair and and just, you know, above board. I don't know why you guys would get the impression that anybody would, you know, screw with the results. Well, again, I'm just going to speak for myself, but I've watched a good number of the people who are maintaining there's nothing wrong here. Everything is fine. I've watched you lose your mind on a daily basis over the last four years. Literally howling at the sky because you didn't get your way in 2016 or because you perceived that somehow you weren't going to get your way. So forgive me if my memory is inconveniently long, but I don't believe that that kind of irrational, uh, just primal motivation to dominate other people is going to go away for the sake of, but, you know, in the interest of a fair election, we just wanted to make sure that it all, you know, pans out the way that it should. Now, as far as, you know, have I seen evidence? Have I seen proof that uh, there was election fraud? The answer is no. I've seen what looks like it could be. I've seen things that uh, certainly call into question some of the practices, primarily the idea that uh, someone other than the legislatures in some of these contested states like Pennsylvania, like Michigan, like Georgia, like Wisconsin, that their voting rules were changed and not in accordance with the way it's supposed to be changed by the legislatures. Instead, they were changed by executive or judicial means. That's not supposed to happen. But no, I haven't handled any of that evidence, and, and frankly, neither have you. But for crying out loud, when when the media talking heads and politicians assure us, hey, there is no evidence of widespread fraud. First of all, I want to know when exactly did you 
examine and either vet or, you know, discount the evidence. And you hear people resort to, well, there was, you know, 58 cases, 60 cases that that were brought, 60 lawsuits that were brought. All of them were found, you know, to be without uh, without evidence or there was no evidence found, which would be fine if you can overlook the fact that all but one of them were dismissed on technicalities or some some uh, something other than a fair hearing of it and, and and on their own on their merits. The only case that I'm aware of that actually was decided on its merits was the case in Pennsylvania, which had to do with changing the, the rules of how elections are carried out in midstream and not by the legislative branch. And that judge actually found in favor of President Trump. And then that ruling was overturned on a technicality. But everything else, there, there was no fair hearing of this. And I'm not saying that I know for sure if there was a fair hearing that we, we could prove that there was voter fraud. I'm saying there never was a fair hearing. So we can't know for sure whether there was or there wasn't. And, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be offensive, but you guys who are sitting there crowing about, how, hey, trust us, man, there, there, we never saw any evidence of this. If you're a politician or if you are a pundit, your word is worth less than what I scraped off the bottom of my shoe this morning after playing with my dog, okay? You have no trust. You have no moral authority. And in fact, you have some pretty strong incentives to try to uh, keep things, you know, kind of the way they are to protect your own interests. So at the very least, I think I would like to see a fair hearing. And truth be told, that is the reason most of these people showed up in Washington, D.C. today. They didn't come there to commit violence. They didn't come there to collect scalps. They came there to protest that the the, the disconnect between them and those who ostensibly represent them in their government is growing intolerable. And remember, this is on the heels of uh, Congress, which has just passed trillions of dollars of spending most of which they are giving away to their cronies and to their friends and to other highly connected players and throwing a little pittance back at the people as if, well, you know, but here's a little something for you. I'll leave it on the nightstand. Yeah, because that's exactly what it feels like. All right. I want to know what you think. 801-331-8113. I put my cards on the table. Now I want to see what your cards are. 801-331-8113. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, this is one for the history books. I'd like to get your take. And sincerely, you don't have to agree with me. Tell me what you're thinking. 801-331-8113. January 6th, 2021, we were watching this day come with interest, knowing there were going to be hundreds of thousands of people. And by the way, that crowd in D.C., whoo boy, it is, that's a big one. That is one of the biggest crowds I think I've ever seen, at least pictures of. And that, 
speaks to how strongly a lot of people feel about this. I know the easiest thing in the world is to dismiss everybody who's there and protesting the election results or or at least calling them into question as, you know, they're just some malcontent who just is sad that they didn't get their way. But there is a much bigger picture here than simply an election. I I like what my friend Molly Davis uh, pointed out this morning, and that is if your well-being depends upon um, who won an election, you might want to rethink what you're basing your life on. Now, I know that stings. Call me up. We'll talk about it. 801-331-8113. But the bigger picture here is you have a lot of people who, right or wrong, have the perception that their country is being stolen right out from under them. And, and I have to emphasize the people that we're talking about here are not the kind of people who would go around and disrupt people's dinners and force them to give the clenched fist salute or the straight arm salute or whatever, you know, the, whatever fascists these days do in the name of tolerance and in the name of, of diversity. We're talking about people who simply want to be left alone and want their stuff to be left alone instead of taken and distributed up between various, you know, groups that are squabbling over who gets the most political favors. They're not unreasonable people. But they get the perception that they are being systematically disenfranchised, that they are being pushed into a corner and told. Shut up and do what you're told. I mean, I've seen I've seen at least one of the posters that uh, um, Biden supporters are, are getting ready to unfurl. And it just says Trump lost Biden won. Shut up. Put on your mask. That pretty much describes the mindset of where a lot of people in power are headed these days. And if you're OK with that, that's fine. You know, ah, go ahead. Follow the other sheep right along there. Someone is going to tell you what to do. I would take umbrage with that. So let's let's not pretend this is all just about Trump. This is about people who are seeing their system of government being taken right out from underneath them. And there appears to be an air of deception and manipulation in what was once considered, you know, a, a very, you know, sacred expression of your civic duty. That is going out to cast your vote. And I get it. There are those who are saying, well, you know, you, you don't always win. Trust me. I know that. I have certain principles that I, I usually, you know, I'm usually on the losing end of the election, whoever I vote for, simply because the, the most principled people don't stand a chance of getting elected to public office. But I consider my vote to be a sacred expression of my conscience. And it's one of those places I don't want to compromise. And when you take that option away. And and I'm going to put this back at the feet of many of these federal courts, particularly the Supreme Court. When you tell the people, yeah, we're not going to touch this. It would just be too volatile or, you know, they find some technicality. Well, we don't think you have standing or or whatever reason. We don't think this deserves a closer look. It's like Representative Louis Gohmert from Texas was saying a couple of days ago. The message you're sending then is that solving this through the, the proper channels, the legal channels, the system itself is no longer an option. And when your opposition, or at least a part of your opposition, is openly coming out 
attacking people, burning businesses, causing destruction. I can see where one might come to the conclusion that, uh, well, what do we have left but to take it to the streets? For the record, I don't agree with battling it out in the streets. I think if we're looking for the if we're looking for a solution in which everybody loses the maximum amount possible, that's the way you go about it. Let's get our guns. Let's go out in the streets and let's let's settle this with violence like, you know, the old days. (laughs) High noon. They're on Main Street. I think there are other solutions that uh, that don't involve going with your hat in your hand to the political system and begging someone who is actually your servant, but who somehow has mistaken themselves to be your overlord. To please, oh, please make the evisceration of your liberty or what remains of your liberty just a little less painful. I'm much more of a believer in the power of nullification. Sometimes that means you turn your back and you walk away. You deny them whatever authority they claim to be asserting over you. And for those who say, well, that's just not plausible, you you can't get away from them. You'd be surprised at the lengths that people who are determined to live free can go in order to be free of that kind of influence. And and I'll admit, you can't be 100% perfectly free as a bird. Nope. But for those who are willing to go a few extra steps, who are willing to exert themselves in exerting their rights, in defiance of those who would deny them their rights, why, you would be surprised how free those people can be. And it's the ones who are doing it peaceably that I think are are likely your best examples to look to. Look, I talked with a friend earlier this morning about uh, about the fourth turning. You've heard me talk about uh, these cycles of history that are playing out. We are in the midst of one of those cycles right now. And for those who aren't familiar with the fourth turning and and the historical cycles, um, essentially they approximate like the seasons of the year. Now, if you guessed, well, uh, so where are we today? It ain't summer, that's for sure. We are in the dead center of a winter storm. Possibly the biggest winter type storm that the world has ever seen. If only because things are so interconnected economically, politically, commerce wise, we are so interdependent in so many ways that everybody gets to feel the impact of this storm. It's not just going to be relegated to one country or another. And that storm has been seen coming for a long, long time. We've been through other ones before. In U.S. history, you had a fourth turning that took place during the Revolutionary War and the Constitutional Period, the Founding Period. There was another turning that took place during the Civil War and Reconstruction. Yet another one that came during the uh, late uh, 20s and early 30s, Great Depression, and then World War II. And we are right on schedule to be where we are. So here's what I'm going to ask you to remember. Yes, it is unpleasant. And right there in one of the first chapters of the book, Strauss and Howe point out, you cannot avoid this. There's no safe place where you can sit out a fourth turning with its attendant crisis and climax. There always is going to be this, just like there's always going to be winter, and winter will be followed by spring. But to get to spring, you've got to be able to endure through the winter. I've had the conversation with a few people here in the last couple of weeks. How do we stop this? And as near as I can tell, the answer is we don't. You can't. 
Now, that doesn't mean that you are a helpless little leaf being tossed on the on the waves and, you know, you have no control. What we can do is make the best decisions that we can. And I'm talking about the kind of decisions that define your character. Because whether that we get onto that next high that, that comes, the springtime, if you will, and it's a, a glorious thing or whether it's a cataclysmic thing, that's going to depend on the quality of the character of the people making decisions, individual decisions, as we make our way towards it. See, I'm one who looks at the uh, American founding, and I think, you know, it was not easy. And there were some things that were were bad. But by and large, what happened after that turning was really quite positive. The Civil War, not so much. World War II, yeah, things were a lot different then as well. And I think it has a lot to do with the character of the people as to whether that outcome goes in a good way or a bad way. That's the only thing you and I have control over at this time is our character. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Our program brought to you in part today by Landmark Risk Management and Insurance, as well as Alta Bank. This is one of those rare days. If you want to catch me when I'm at my most speechless, I I am just sitting back. I'm watching a couple of different feeds on online, and I, I'm marveling at this. And by the way, marveling is not synonymous with supporting or cheering. I'm just sitting back and going, wow. You know, it's we, we are reaping the whirlwind right now. And, and I got to say, on the whole... Even though these protesters have forced their way into the Capitol building, even though they have forced their way into, I believe, the Senate chambers. They're not burning things. They're not looting. Um, They did take over Nancy Pelosi's office, and that was very interesting to see. Uh, Someone had posted a, a picture here that said, just to put into perspective how quickly staff evacuated, emails are still on the computer screen alongside a federal alert warning members of the current revolution. And there's pictures of it. it. There it is. There's her desk. There's the computer. There's the warning. And, you know, I. I've got such a mix of of, uh, of feelings about this. The Samuel Adams is battling the John Adams in my heart. A friend and I had that conversation earlier today. <laughs> the Samuel Adams in me is, is saying it's about time. It is about time. That these members of Congress felt accountability, even if it's in the form of fear that they felt accountability toward the people who, whose lives they presume to rule and in some cases ruin with their policies. There's a part of me that feels like that is long overdue. And the fact that no congressperson has been strung up at this point, I think, points to the fact that uh, it's it's a good wake up call for them. Now, the John Adams in me is saying, be careful. If you give the nod to violence, if you embrace violence as a means to accomplish whatever it is you set out to accomplish. Are you not admitting at some level 
that your ideas don't have enough power on their own to carry the day? If it takes violence to implement them, seems to me that uh, by default, what you're saying is they have to be imposed. Force must be used. And that establishes a pretty nasty precedent. Because the next time someone comes along with a, quote, better idea, well, they'll just use force to impose it. After all, that's, that's the way we go about these things, right? Now, I'm not discounting that there are times when I believe violence is a regrettable necessity. In fact, I'm going to take it one step further. <laughs> I believe there are times when I think God would expect us to defend things that are worth defending, even if that means shedding blood. And by no means am I saying that we have reached that point today. I'm just saying that I believe there is a point where people are absolutely justified in resisting unjustified violence with defensive violence of their own. Tell me what you think. 801-331-8113. I almost feel bad for the people who are going to hear this podcast only because uh, the, the action is happening right now. And so, you know, there's, I'm sure there are a lot of people glued to computer screens and phone screens all across the country watching as this takes place. I mean, it's I, I can't remember seeing anything like this in my lifetime. And I'm going to I'm going to sound this note of caution just because I was there at Bundy Ranch back in 2014. I remember when uh, Ammon Bundy and and some of his friends occupied the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge back in 2016. The press is always going to run with this and spin it in a way that makes it sound like, you know, it was an ISIS cell that came in and was drinking blood from the heads of decapitated children as they laughed about, uh, you know, uh, you know, racially insensitive jokes. That's the way it always seems to be reported. And even if you disagree with these folks pushing their way into the U.S. Capitol today, can I just suggest that uh, most of what we're getting is receiving the spin and wash treatment, the, the brainwash treatment for much of the nation's media. So if you hear it talking, if you hear them talking about it like, oh, this is a bunch of terrorists and they're doing terrorist things, take it with a grain of salt. I do have some friends who are in Washington, D.C. today. Um, I didn't have enough time to arrange to connect with them and see, you know, what, what a firsthand look would be. But wherever possible, I would say go to the source. Talk to somebody who's actually there if you can. Some of the live streams are showing, you know, what, what seems to be. I mean, it's a pretty calm occupation. But the fact that a crowd has pushed its way into the Capitol, they overwhelmed Capitol Police to the point that they actually got into the Capitol building and they are now occupying, or at least they were as of a few minutes ago, Nancy Pelosi's office. I mean, the easiest thing in the world is just, well, in a civilized society, we don't act like that. And harumph, 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 you know. Yeah, you, I, I get it. You know, showing the indignation and showing that I don't think I would do something like that. That's great. But are you capable of asking the question? What would push people to the point that they would be willing to do this? And if your answer is, well, they're just, you know, these are a bunch of knuckle dragging, angry people who've been wanting to do this all along. I'm going to suggest that you're uh, you're wrong. <laughs> you're you're only seeing a very uh, uh, stilted point of view that doesn't begin 
to try to comprehend in what ways have these people, meaning the protesters, been pushed, shoved, disenfranchised, or otherwise backed into a corner to where they feel like, you know what, at this point, I don't have anything to lose by doing this. You know what the most dangerous thing in the world is, right? It's the man who has nothing left to lose. We're not quite to that point, but we're fast approaching it. So if somebody's going to come to their senses, right frickin' now would be a good time to do it. Let's go to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. Brian, are you are you certain this is invitation say that again entry is this an organic uh assembly inside the white house or do you think people were told to stand down these are actors police didn't shoot them because they were told not to is there anything funny going on here i am i hope so i hope people have forced their way into the people's house but i've never seen that that behavior doesn't manifest itself too often. It does seem like there's a great deal of restraint being shown on the part of Capitol Police and security there. But your point is well taken. I mean, how often were we told, well, all that violence you saw over the summer, that was really just right-wingers dressing up as Antifa. So maybe this is Antifa just, you know, pretending to be Trump supporters and, and doing bad things, although they're not nearly as violent as what we saw last summer. What? Yeah, and what I would love, it, uh, you don't have to go to Washington, D.C. to fix our problems. What if 10,000 people in Salt Lake City just went into a court and said, it's open. The courts are open. The people are here. There's more than 25 people here to form a grand jury. The courts are open. And we're not doing the mask. We're not, we're not even going to submit to searches. We're in. 10,000 people together is... Uh, small army you could do whatever you want in a lot of circumstances okay so i gotta ask you this because i know you're an outspoken guy who will tell me exactly what you think are the people who have uh, have pushed their way into that building are they in the right are they in the wrong in your estimation if it's organic absolutely they're in the right it's the people's house you never had to wait to see the president back in the day. You didn't have to wait. Well, you might you wait in the lobby, but you, you could go. Joseph Smith went and saw him. Other people from other groups went and saw the president. You could go up there. After the Civil War, uh, what's his name? The general, the Yankee general. Sherman? Billy. Grant? Well, yeah. Was it, was it Sherman? Guy that burned Atlanta? That was Sherman. Yep. Okay. Uh, who was the president, though? Lincoln? No, oh, no. no. After, after the Civil War? Oh, yeah. you're, ta- you're talking about Grant. Okay. Well, you, you, it doesn't matter. You know, you could, you could go there, and it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't as top security, and, and uh, it's, Washington, D.C. is kind of a funny, it's got a funny vibe to it. People, Secret Service, bald white guys walking around in suits with ear and just just out of nowhere they show up and oh stand back from the fence that's Michelle Obama's garden. You spit a loogie on the other side, they're on you. Interesting. But I got to stop you here because we're, we're up we're up against yeah, the break. But Jared, yeah. thanks for weighing in. All right, I'm seeing pictures and hearing reports. There was a woman shot. Saw a picture of her being uh, wheeled out on a stretcher. It did not look good. I don't know, man. 
history is being made. What do you think? 801-331-8113. We'll be back just the other side of these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. 801-331-8113. Let's get right back to the phone. Rob, thanks for hanging on. Welcome to the program. Yeah, how you doing today? Oh, I'm just sitting here with my jaw hanging down to my chest. <laughs> Why is that? I'm just, just watching things blow up. You? How are you doing? This isn't blowing up. This is overdue. This, this is way overdue. I mean, you, I, I just couldn't help. I was listening to you, and, and, you know, your last caller there, Jared, he talked about how, you know, you used to be able to go see the president, and now Washington's weird with all these people. You walk up to the fence, and... All these people want you. There's a reason why they don't want you around, Jared, because they're doing stuff that you wouldn't like. These are employees that are unproductive. They're destructive. And this is how it has to be handled at this point. Okay. So so, so just don't complain, though, when the violence comes to your door, because if, if violence is the way we're going to solve it, I mean, then, you know, in, in for a penny, in for a pound. What's that? I, I, I'm tired of this. You can't do it the other way. There's, how are you going to vote somebody out anymore at this point? Who says voting even works? That's what isn't, isn't that the reason why people are showing up there? They, yeah. They've been disenfranchised, or they perceive they've been disenfranchised. Yeah, it's, this, is, this, is, this is the real deal. It's, it's happening right now. History's happening right now. Did you see the clip of uh, Mitt Romney on the airport and all the people on the plane? I did. I did. Probably the longest plane ride of his life. Most, most, I'm sorry, but I, I, the man is not anything I would want representing me. Oh, I agree. And, and Rob, at the same time, I don't think that, uh, I don't think the mob mentality is the best way to go about solving problems. As, as much as I don't care for Mitt in, in any regard as a politician, maybe he's a decent human being, I don't know. I only know him as a politician. But I, I don't think that... Uh, I wouldn't have joined in the crowd, even though I have serious misgivings about the guy and think he's, you know, he's as, as slimy as they come. But that's okay. That's, that's, your, that's your prerogative. I mean, that's, that's all your, your, your... You know, me, myself, I, I'm tired of paying for this. This is... This goes on, and it's only about to get worse. If Joe Biden gets in, you're going to be hitting a point where the states, the, the people of the states, will have to make the decision to succeed or, or to go along with the intolerable conditions. Yeah. No, you're right. Pass or play time is being forced on us. Yes. So this is the real deal, folks. And I think uh, these guys up there in Washington, D.C., I'm very proud of them. And I wish I was there. But I can tell you this is the only way at this point you're going to fix this problem. It's going to be letting these people know that there's, there's, there's ramifications for not doing your job. You're going to lose it, just like in the real world. Okay. Rob, thanks for weighing in. 801-331-8113.
like I say, I've got a I've got a battle going on in me between Samuel Adams and John Adams, and and I'm just not sure. I can understand the frustration without condoning people getting violent, but the options have been rapidly disappearing. And when the courts, well, you know, we're not going to hear this for this technicality or that technicality. When the courts appear to be much more interested in protecting the system as opposed to as opposed to upholding the rights of the people. I can see where people might get the impression that, you know what, we're running out of uh, options here. The soapbox doesn't seem to be working. The ballot box appears to have been invalidated now. I mean, the cartridge box is there. It's supposed to be, you know, don't you know, break glass only in the case of an emergency. Well, I think we're approaching that emergency point. And I don't say that with like that's that's a good thing. I think the, the ramifications of this thing getting violent and I'm talking on a bigger scale than what you're seeing right now with just mostly peaceful protesters pushing their way into the U.S. Capitol. Sorry, CNN, but you needed that one stuck right in your ear and broke off. It can and probably will get a lot worse. All right. So let me let me try to take this in, in a direction where. So what can we do? What can we focus on that's within our control? There's an article that I share in today's show notes from Annie Holmquist from intellectualtakeout.org. She is the editor of Intellectual Takeout. And it's titled The Neighborhood Stands Between Us and Totalitarianism. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is not an article about how to solve all of America's political problems in one fell swoop. In fact, what I'm going to suggest is maybe some of the problems we need to be solving aren't even so much political in nature. And we shouldn't be trying to make them political. But Annie Holmquist talks about the string of bonfires that her neighbors hosted last fall, which she says was a departure from the norm in more ways than one. Anticipating the bleak prospect of a Minnesota winter with limited social gatherings, her neighbors decided to rally those around them for a time of encouragement. So neighbors who've waved at each other for years came together for a few evenings to actually solidify each other's names in the recesses of memory. Huddled around the bonfire, she says, my neighbors dove beyond names and began to tell about their pasts and how they reached their present states in life. Soon, these perfect strangers were having deep, meaningful conversations with each other. For better and for worse, it was the year of the neighborhood, writes Henry Grabar over at Slate. He believes the neighborhood trend will continue in the upcoming months, and she says, if what's happening at my own community is any indication, he seems to be making a reasonable prediction. That's because he focuses on the negative aspect of this development, emphasizing the economic segregation of American neighborhoods. But Annie Holmquist says, I'm going to focus on the positive. And the fact that this last year was the year of the neighborhood signals that all is not yet lost in the fight against totalitarian government. To explain this connection between neighborhoods and the fight against totalitarianism, she turns to Robert Nisbet's classic work, The Quest for Community. Getting rid of the individual is one of the most visible goals of totalitarianism. In actuality, the undermining of the individual starts earlier with the dissolving of community structures like neighborhoods and relationships. Nisbet says we may regard totalitarianism as a process of the annihilation of individuality, but in more fundamental terms, it is the annihilation first of those social relationships within which individuality develops. It's not the extermination of individuals that's ultimately desired by totalitarian rulers. 
for individuals in the largest number are needed by the new order. What is desired is the extermination of those social relationships which by their autonomous existence must always constitute a barrier to the achievement of the absolute political community. He says totalitarianism has well been described as the ultimate invasion of human privacy. But this invasion of privacy is only possible after the social context of privacy like family, church, and association have been atomized. The political enslavement of man requires the emancipation of man from all the authorities and memberships. Now, Annie Holmquist says, thus, the fact that the neighborhood is seeing something of a resurgence during these strange times offers hope that the trend toward totalitarianism will not become completely entrenched. As long as some form of association exists where individuals can get together and talk about their lives and ideas, it's much harder for isolation to set in and for individuals to easily capitulate to the whims of a few totalitarian-minded elites. The neighborhood, she says, it appears is the last acceptable bastion of association with others. So why not take advantage of that? Join forces with other neighbor families by forming a type of community school with a learning pod until schools and their activities are running at full steam. Hold a bonfire like her neighbors did, where a handful of people can get together and discuss ideas or needs. Make religion and faith part of the conversation. It was once impolite to discuss issues of faith in public society. But the game has changed, and the closure of many churches has left many people without an outlet to consider the all-important topic of God and our purpose in this world. And above all, she says, strive to make every situation one of warmth and kindness. This doesn't mean that difficult topics should be avoided. Rather, they should be embraced and discussed freely. For doing so will reveal that not all, is as u- not all thought is as uniform as the elites in media and politics would have us believe. Annie Holmquist says the neighborhood is making a comeback. Hold on to it while you can. It may be the last remaining thing standing between average citizens like ourselves and the totalitarians who seek to enslave us. I think she's on to something. And I see us moving toward a time where if you really want to enjoy as much freedom and autonomy as possible, you're not going to get it from politicians. You're going to get it by becoming the kind of neighbor and and partnering with the kind of neighbors who will look out for each other, team up in times of difficulty or stress, and help each other weather the storm. So maybe there's a little call to action. Get to know your neighbors. Look for like-minded people within your neighborhood. And then be the kind of friend that can be counted on in good times and in bad times. This is The Brian Hyde Show.